Ion 2020 episode 251. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me for another day. Another day looking at the 2020 presidential elections. Uh, doing a doing a Monday and Thursday show from here on out. I explained it on the last episode. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up if it's your first time listening since I've been back after the Christmas break. Uh, and the reason why is just because I noticed a little bit about what was going on. Uh, with just you know, if I'm putting out one show every single day. About half those shows don't get listened to by every single person just because uh, it's a daily show. And if you have five shows built up in your podcatcher, you know, you might listen to one, two, or three, but I doubt you're going to listen to all five. And that, I was just feeling like I'm putting a lot of work and effort into it, uh, which, you know, I enjoy doing and everything like that. But I also uh, need a little bit of uh, work life balance, if you know what I mean. And uh, five days a week was just getting a little bit too, uh, too much, as well as the fact that the news cycle. Like, I want to put out good content, I want to put out great content for you, and the news cycle just does not go along with uh, a five-day-a-week show when it comes to the, the election. I mean, I think I focused more on the um, the impeachment of Donald Trump over the last several months than I did uh, on the election as well, which, uh, and I don't want to just focus on, like, the Democrats and stuff like that, I want to focus on all different things. I want to take a 50,000-foot view of the election uh, from the Democrats, from the Republicans, from the uh, independence from the libertarians and so forth. And, you know, we're going into election cycle now. We're going into election season uh, where you're going to start having all of the primaries and so forth. You got the Iowa caucus coming up on February 3rd. A week later, you'll have the New Hampshire primary. And then a week after that, I think it is, you'll have the South Carolina primary. And it's lining up to be pretty good for a lot of different candidates, you know? Like, you're assu- I'm assuming in my mind that most likely um, Pete Buttigieg is going to win the Iowa caucus, but it might be Bernie Sanders. It just depends on who has the most um, hype around them when it comes to those caucuses is what I've found. And Bernie Sanders very well can win. He's in a three-way tie right now with um, Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg. So uh, we'll see how that goes for, for either one of those three, really. And I think the more that the the more bombs that Donald Trump drops and the more uh, things look bad for Donald Trump, I guess, on the war front, then I think it's going to be better for Joe Biden, maybe, because maybe people will be confident in his steady hand at the helm or something like that. I mean, that, that might be the case. I'm not sure. But there are a lot of, there's a lot of anti-war sentiments going on right now. I think this weekend, for example, there's going to be like 180 different anti-war, you know, no, no war with Iraq or no war with Iran protests going on, which should be interesting to see um, if you get like news media that covers that stuff as well. So uh, that, that could be the case. I'm not sure. And then you're also looking at New Hampshire where Joe Biden is not doing too well. But you have Elizabeth Warren that's doing good. You have um, Pete Buttigieg who's doing good. And I know he's campaigning up there as well because my cousin was, I was talking to my cousin over the holiday break. He lives up in New Hampshire. 
and he was saying that Pete Buttigieg was coming to his hometown that week. So Pete Buttigieg is up there trying to, you know, make some waves as well. And then obviously uh, Bernie Sanders is uh, from right next door in New Hampshire as well. So he might have a really good showing as well in New Hampshire. We'll see. I mean, it's that's that's how it's going to play out for the next uh, month or so because that's about a month away for the New Hampshire primary. And then after that, you got South Carolina. And Joe Biden has a pretty strong foothold in, New, in uh, South Carolina. Uh, he's most likely going to win South Carolina and Nevada. And then after that, you have Super Tuesday. And that is where um, Michael Bloomberg is hanging his hat, right? He's going to be hanging his hat on the idea that he can win Florida, he can win uh, California, he could win Pennsylvania, he could win a lot of these uh, states that are going to be going off on Super Tuesday. I've heard somebody even say it that the only thing you see on TV right now is Michael Bloomberg commercials in some of those states. And I don't see any Michael Bloomberg commercials in South Carolina, really. I see a lot for uh, for Tom Steyer, but I don't see many for Michael Bloomberg because Michael Bloomberg is not trying to make his stand in the early primary states. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see what happens during that time, I guess. I mean, it doesn't really matter. All of them are this, are you know, two sides of the same coin, essentially, if they believe in this, this idea of um, socialism, if they believe in this idea of the government taking over things, if they believe in the idea of larger government, if they believe in the idea of these institutions and growing the institutions that are around government to make them better and stronger and more open to other people and helping other people out like that's what they're all about in some form or another it's not like any of them are sitting around trying to figure out how to limit government and that's what we're looking at as libertarians who is looking to limit government and i don't see any of them that are looking to limit government um it is a good thing that a few of them are making you know being a little bit outspoken about this idea of war in Iran, at least they're making, I mean, especially with this assassination of Soleimani as well, like, at least they're speaking out against that, so, oh, by the way, guys, as you know, sometimes I have to record in my car while I'm driving, and that is what I'm doing today, so if you hear a little bit of background noise and stuff, I do apologize, the best thing you could do probably is just, um, just enjoy the little hum behind it, or if you jump in your car and listen to this show, it's always helpful, uh, or it's always uh, a good thing to have some background noise of your own to mimic my background noise, I guess. Uh, but anyway, so I think that's what's going to be, that'll be what's going on over the next month or so, month and a half, uh, when we get all these primaries going. Um, I have heard a lot of positive things about Michael Bloomberg from a lot of Democrats. I've been just kind of following things, and they're saying, yeah, I mean, even though he's a billionaire or whatever, he's very... Uh, good leader and stuff like that. That's what they're trying to trying to um, market him as as a great leader, someone that's going to be able to go head to head with Donald Trump um, and so forth. But and he's a businessman, but he's also has some executive experience, being the mayor of New York City. Da 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 da. You know. But this is the guy that wants to um, tax your Coke because you drink too much of it, and he thinks that if you know. If the government thinks you shouldn't be doing something, then they should just tax it more to kind of get you to make better decisions with your life. And I think that that is a terrible slippery slope to go down that that says that just because some politician believes something that they should look to tax it or regulate it or whatever in order to get you to stop doing it. Like, that's not their decision. That's your decision on what you do with your body. It's your decision. I mean, they say it when it comes to abortion. It's your, this, it's your body. You can do what you want with it. But when it comes to 
smoking cigarettes, when it comes to drinking soda, when it comes to eating different foods. Like, they want to regulate the crap out of that stuff and tell you what you can and cannot do. And that stuff drives me crazy, man. And that is, um, that is Michael Bloomberg all the way. He wants to use the government to regulate whatever he can in order to get the outcomes that he wants. But from a libertarian perspective, from an economic perspective, that leads to bad um, externalities in the sense that you're going to have people and institutions that get built up around the idea of getting their product to be um, legalized or whatever, or not taxed, but tax their competitors. Like It, it builds up an entire uh, crony capitalist state type thing around a, a crony capitalist institution, which says that this group is going to go to Washington and try to get their competitors, you know, taxed while their product is not taxed. Like, that's that's what it comes down to. You're going to have this crony capitalist system that gets built up around anything when the government starts deciding the winners and the losers of things. Then you get the, the lobbyists and everyone else that are there to try to, you know, lessen the effect on their product, but maximize the effect on their competitors. And that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. We don't need a government like that. We need a government that is limited. We need a government that doesn't do a lot. We need a government that stays out of your business. And that is not Michael Bloomberg, but that's not any of the Democrats. They believe in institutions. They believe that, you know, we should build up these institutions and strengthen the institutions, uh, add more institutions that are there to help or whatever people. And a lot of times those institutions hurt people. A lot of times those institutions pick winners and losers. And then you have the crony capitalist system again that gets built up around those winners slash losers. <clears throat> like take, for example, and I'm kind of going, I'm kind of going into a different direction than I planned on it. But take, for example, like the housing crisis. You had people who were chosen as winners and losers in the housing crisis in the sense that beforehand you had the government saying that the banks have to loan to certain people and then you also had Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac buying those loans and packaging those loans and selling those loans and so forth and ended up hurting everybody because the government wanted to pick winners and losers in that system to say everyone needs to have a house we need to make sure the poor people can get a house we need to make sure that people can get houses even if they don't have a job or no like loans that were given when people don't even announce how much they make per year, things like that. Like, if you make $0 per year, can you afford a afford $1,000 a month mortgage? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, unless you're claiming all that money on as, like, under-the-table income or something like that, but you can't afford that stuff. So um, government picks winners and losers, and it, it never, never really works out at all, ever. So anyway, moving on. So, um, yeah, Michael Bloomberg, though, he is... On the betting odds sites right now, he's moving up. He's been in, he's like around around fourth place right now. You have uh, Joe Biden, thirty percent chance that he's going to win. That's what the betting odds sites say. Then Elizabeth Warren is like twenty percent. Um, no wait, sorry, Joe, um, Bernie Sanders is at like seventeen percent. Elizabeth Warren is at like twelve percent, and then Michael Bloomberg is at like eleven percent. So he's he's running fourth. So there is a lot of positive hype around him in the Democratic Party. It sounds like to me. Um, he is polling in that third, fourth, and fifth spot on a lot of the polls. I think it's more like to be fourth and fifth spot because uh, it really is Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, and Bernie Sanders who are like the top people. Um, Pete Buttigieg nationally does not poll very well at all, and but he does get high polls and poll ratings in like Iowa and also in 
New Hampshire. So it seems like when people hear his message that are Democrats, they must like the guy. And uh, that, that's it on the Democratic primary, by the way. I'm not going to go any further on that now. Um, if you haven't fallen asleep already because of that talk, um, go ahead and listen to this part of it too, all right? So um, Lincoln Chafee, I don't know if you know who he is. A lot of li- libertarians have no idea who the guy is, and that's understandable. A lot of people in America probably have no idea who the guy is, which is understandable as well. Uh, but Lincoln Chafee, he was the governor of Rhode Island. He was an, he was independent governor of Rhode Island, um, but he was also a congressperson and then a senator. I guess he was a congressperson in the 90s and a senator in the early 2000s. He was elected as a senator, as a Republican, and then he, um, what, what, what happened? So okay, he was elected as a, or he was actually, his father retired and then the governor made him the, the senator. That's right, for like a year. Then in the 2000 election, he was actually elected as the senator from Rhode Island. He was a Republican. 2004, he lost that seat, but then he ended up running for, um, for governor and won the governorship as an independent. So... He went from Republican to Independent, and now he has decided that he's going to run as the as a Libertarian candidate for president. And I was looking at this guy. There is a lot of criticism of him. Like, he's kind of like a, um, a Gary Johnson-type Libertarian. He's kind of like, you know, just falls in line with the whole fiscally conservative, socially liberal thing that Gary Johnson always preached, and he's not a true libertarian and all that stuff. Um, I was looking this guy up. I went to his website and everything like that, and usually when I announce that someone's running, I go to their website. Uh, In this case, I'm not going to because I kind of have a general idea of where he stands on a lot of these issues. Um, He's way more libertarian than any of the Democrat candidates. I could say that. Um, He's very much anti-war. That's his that's kind of his um, his go-to thing is he did not vote for the Iraq war. Like he, he was one of the, I think he was the only Republican that did not vote for the Iraq war in the Senate. So, and that was the authorization for the use of, fo- of force in Iraq, which that's, that's some good credentials right there to say that because he was willing to go outside of his, uh, his party. He did not vote along party lines to go to war in Iraq, and look at the outcome of war in Iraq. I mean, it's just, everything that's happening today with Iran, everything that's happened today with Syria, everything that's happening today with Libya, everything that's, all this debacle that's going on all over the world is a direct result of one thing, that is the toppling of Saddam Hussein in Iraq, the American intervention in Iraq, America doing what it did in Iraq, I mean, that's it. So Lincoln Chafee was good on that issue right there. Um, if there's one thing that I can say about him is at least he was part of the um, part of the swamp. He was part of the the major like the parties. You know, he was like in the two party system, and he still voted against the war in Iraq. And that's that says a lot about the guy. Um, so I can't fault him there at all, to be honest with you. And then the other thing that I can say is that when I was looking at his website as well. He is kind of going with this whole fiscal conservative thing. He thinks that he was talking more about the debt and that the government needs to get its finances under control, which everyone can agree with that as well. Um, he's not a 
oh, let's let's tear down the government and, and make it way smaller type thing. Although I think if you look at it, if he's talking about getting rid of a lot of the national debt and stuff like that um, and working on the debt, he does have some ideas to get rid of some parts of the government or char- start trying to become fiscally cons- con- fiscally conservative, I guess. Um, he voted for, like, he helped to, you know, initiate, like, the gay rights in, in Rhode Island. Um, that's fine. Like, those are good good issues right there, I guess. Uh, I mean, most libertarians would say that the government should just stay out of marriage in the first place, and whether it's gay or straight or whatever, if you want to get married, that's between you and your God or you and your people, you know? And that should have nothing to do with the government in the first place, but, um, so, I mean, that, that's the way I feel about it, that, you know, marriage is between you and that person, like, if, uh, there's no reason why you should need to register it, but if he got gay rights through, I mean, I heard, like, gay marriage through, I guess, in Rhode Island, then, then I guess that's some good credentials as well, but he's not, like, as, as extreme libertarian as, as me, or extreme libertarian as a lot of people, where we say, you know, we want as minimal as government as possible, I don't think he would say that, you know, I think he would say, you know, we should keep the institutions that we have in some ways, and just kind of um, become a little bit more um, fiscally conservative on those things and, you know, be a little bit more responsible with the money that's being spent, maybe get rid of the Department of Education or something like that. I didn't see anything like that on his website, though. Um, but I'm not going to put words in the guy's mouth. I mean, we could just watch him and see. Watch him and see. There's going to be some good debates at the Libertarian National Convention, though, because you're going to have people that really know their stuff, like Jacob Hornberger. Like, that guy really understands libertarianism. He really understands limited government. He really understands, you know, strong limitations on the federal government. He understands that stuff. So if Lincoln Chavey's up there and he's going to sit there and have a debate on that debate stage with a lot of these people, Kim Ruff, you know, um, different, you know, the taxationist stuff guy, I can't remember what his name is, but if they're going to have this debate, he'll be on that stage and he'll have to, he'll have to, um, be able to stand tall, but you're going to have a lot of people that are going for Jacob Hornberger up there, because I've looked at a lot of different polling and stuff like that, these little unscientific polls that we do in the libertarian movement, and like on different Facebook pages and so forth, and Jacob Hornberger is that guy, man, he's, he gets a lot of people that are going to support him, and you have people like Tom Woods, you have people like um, Scott Horton, you have people like Dave Smith, who are huge podcasts huge in the podcast world, huge in the libertarian movement in general, and those guys are getting people on board in the libertarian party, just bringing people in left and right in order to get them to go to the national convention, and then if you get enough people that will listen to Jacob Hornberg, I bet you would get somebody, you might be able to get get the votes. I mean, last go around, Gary Johnson didn't win, like, hands down, like, there was a lot of people that voted for other people as well, so you never know what's going to happen. But if the if the whole Mises Caucus movement really moves forward and gets like a Jacob Hornberg up there, and uh, is the person that's going to be the spokesperson for the libertarian movement in 2020, then that'll be interesting to see. It'll be a great conversation starter. It'll be a great way to um, get the libertarian message out there with somebody like that. But if um, if Lincoln Chafee is that guy as well, hopefully he will be a true libertarian in that view. You know talk about limited government, because that's really the key, guys. Limited government, like, limits on the government, and then we limit it even more, and then limit even more. 
and limit it even more, like just continuously limiting the government. That's what I would say. It really comes down to that. Um, you can go further and say, you know, no government, tear it all down or whatever. Um, I would love to have that argument one day, but we're not there yet. That's what I've always said. You know, if you want to get to the point where it's just a straight property rights government, or property right, not even government, right? Just, just you know, the world is based upon property rights and um, interaction is based upon property rights. Well, we're nowhere even close to that yet. That has to be a cultural change around the entire world cultural change around the entire country and so forth but if we want to talk about limiting government we can start with a lot of different things we can limit now and then move on from there right so um because there's a lot of things we can limit man we can limit the war powers we can limit the war state we can limit the department of education we can limit taxes we can limit all kinds there's hundreds of thousands of things that we can limit in this government we can start there but if we can get a candidate that talks about that talks about the challenges of having overburdens in government, right? If we can get to that point, then then we start winning. Then we start winning hearts and minds. And that's what we need to do. We need to win hearts and minds towards this movement. The Democrats and Republicans will follow in some way. If everybody in America starts demanding limited government, the parties have to continue to continue to pander to that, man. They really do. Now, I don't know if the Democrats ever will. I don't know the Republicans ever will. They'll give lip service to it, just like they did with the Tea Party movement back in the, you know, early 2000s, or the mid-2000s, I guess. 2008, 2009. I guess that was the end of the 2000s, right? Early, like, you would hear a lot of candidates talking about the Tea Party movement, and, oh, yeah, I'm a Tea Party member, and da-da-da-da-da. I mean, that slowly goes away, but still, people start pandering to that idea. And they'll do it again if we start demanding limited government. Strict limits on the government. Constitutional government. And then we could have that argument about getting rid of other things, you know? I would say start with constitutional government. As interpreted by the founding fathers, I guess. Which, that's all up to discussion as well. How you're going to interpret those things as well. Like, that's how, that's the Supreme Court's job. And they've they've twisted things with the interstate commerce clause and all that stuff. To make it sound like the government can regulate this and that as long as it crosses state lines. That's how they regulate um, raw milk, you know, by saying, oh, yeah, well, you can't, you can sell it within Kentucky, but you can't move it outside the state or else it's illegal. It's a federal crime at that point. They twist that stuff, so maybe we can start arguing about that. That the government shouldn't regulate anything. Interstate commerce has nothing to do with that. But anyway, guys, uh, I appreciate you joining me for another show. Um, Like I said, Monday through, Monday and Thursday shows will be out to you, okay? Um, that's what I'll be doing from here on out. Unless there's something that's like, you know, some amazing thing that happens on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll get that information out to you guys as well, okay? But I want to make sure that um, I'm putting out quality products for you as well. Good shows have lots of good things to talk about. And then as I do that, um, you guys will start learning a little bit more about libertarianism as well. And you'll start learning a little bit more about, you know, how we can limit government and You'll start learning a little bit more about these candidates and their policies, positions, and so forth, especially the libertarians, and especially, you know, as much as I possibly can, dissing these Democrats for all just being in unison with all this, you know, status crap that they want to do. You know, taking more and more and more control from the people and freedoms from the people and giving it to the government. So uh, taking that responsibility onto the government. And that's what we're going to fight against every single day. 
um, as libertarians. That's what I do. So anyway, guys, um, thank you for joining me. You can check me out, ionthempire.com. That is my website. You can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter that way as well. Ray at ionthempire.com is my, is my email address. Um, another thing, if you want to do this, do it right now. Five-star ratings and reviews are very helpful on whatever podcatcher you're listening through. I know with Apple Podcasts, you could do a rating and review. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about every other one as well, but if you can, that would be great. And uh, then come on back on Monday and you'll have clear vision for 2020.